Well, that can mean only one thing. It's time for Rick's Tech Talk. Cousin Rick is calling in from Needham, Massachusetts. Good morning, Cousin Rick. Good afternoon, Cousin Bob. <laughs> How are you? Okay. See, uh, seeing as we're both in the same time zone right now, it's afternoon. Yeah, but I'm still on Pacific Coast time. You know? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's afternoon there, too, actually, at this point. But the, that's okay. A little jet lag. A little bit of a jet lag there. Okay. So, so do you have a ride of the week for us? Okay, we've got a couple rides of the week because uh, we haven't been on for a while, for two weeks. But interesting, interestingly enough, they are both Subarus. So we can do a little comparison here between two Subaru compact SUVs or small SUVs or crossovers, however you want to call it. Okay. And the first one is the Subaru Forester Limited Edition. Okay. And uh, again, we like to highlight the color. We have the crimson red pearl paint. So it's uh, another red car. And uh, going through the numbers here, the Forester is five-star safety rated, a big plus there. Five-star safety rated. And the uh, it has a 2.5-liter double overhead cam boxer engine of 182 horsepower. And it's got a CVT transmission. For, uh, so it's seamless, a seamless transmission, continuously variable transmission. Mm-hmm. And that gives you EPA numbers, uh, which are quite good. It's 26 miles per gallon highway, 33 miles per gallon, uh, 26 cities, sorry, 33 miles per gallon highway for a combined number of 20 mi- 29 miles per gallon. And, uh, What's cool about this one, and with Subarus as well, you have two radio dials, one for the volume and one for tuning the station. So it's very easy to tune the station if you're keeping your eyes on the road. You can just turn the dial just like in the old days. You don't have to look at the screen. or It, it even works better than voice recognition. You can, you can find the station quickly without... Hoping that the voice recognition feature uh, understands what you're doing. Hmm. And some other nice uh, features on the car. It has uh, LED steering responsive headlights with the high beam assist. It has automatic high beams. And the lights swivel slightly when you turn the wheel, which is great on a country road at night. And... Uh, that's it for the uh, the Subaru Forester Limited. The other Subaru we had is a new addition. It is the Subaru Outback Wilderness Edition. This is new for 2022. Okay. And ours came in ice silver metallic, which is kind of a, a subtle color. But being the Wilderness Edition, it's got these coppery yellow accents all around the car it's kind of kind of striking and the interior is what they call gray star text t-e-x not trek and being a a wilderness edition 
the StarTex fabric on the seats is water repellent. It, it kind of looks like leather, but it doesn't really feel like leather, but it's water repellent. And the Wilderness Edition also comes with a uh, all rubber mats to, uh, to go with the water repellency. You can just pull these mats out uh, and spray them off and get all the mud off them, which I did just this morning. Hmm. Because we were out in uh, Otis Beckett country, all weather floor mats hmm. with the Subaru Wilderness logo on them. And uh, some of the, the information here, the specs, it has a four-cylinder engine, 2.4 liter, but it's a turbocharged engine. So it has 260 horsepower with a continuously variable transmission that can go into an eight-speed manual mode. But uh, these two cars, the, uh, the Forester has a slightly bit more room, although I don't think you'd notice it going from one car to the other. It's got a little more boxy look, but the Outback Wilderness is slightly longer with a slightly longer wheelbase, but because it has a higher horsepower engine, the EPA numbers are, aren't as good as the 2.5 liter in the Forester. The EPA numbers on the Outback Wilderness are 26 Highway, 22 City, and a combined number of 24 miles per gallon, combined mileage. And uh, one thing, though, that the Wilderness has, it's fairly quiet. And one of the features for that is a sound insulation windshield, which probably means it's got a couple more layers and it's a little bit thicker. And being the, uh, again, the Wilderness Edition is really made to go off-roading. It's got a full-size spare wheel and tire, if you ever blow a tire climbing rocks out in the wilderness. And uh, let's see, some of the other features, it's got higher ground clearance than the standard Outback. It's uh, almost an inch higher ground clearance, which means that the what they call the approach angle and departure angle, that's, that's the angle that the wheels would make to approaching rocks or leaving rocks, is a lot uh, is greater. So you can climb rocks without banging up the front end. Mm -hmm. And also the roof rack. This is interesting. The roof rack system is beefed up to carry 700 pounds, which is, uh, you know, you can carry a lot of uh, stuff up there once you get where you're off-roading to. And it's got special Yokohama Geolander all-terrain tires. And it rides well, handles well, and it uh, it meets the wife's seal of approval of... Uh, as many stars as she can give it. She goes, I really like the way this car rides and drives. And we we drove it back in Hurricane Henri the other day, 300 miles in the rain. Mm. And uh, it was a lot less strained because we were using the adaptive cruise control, adjusting that and adjusting the wipers. So when we would hit a rainstorm, you can lower the... Uh, 
the speed of the car. You can slow down and increase the distance to the vehicle in front. And as well as, you know, flipping the wipers higher and lower speed. So basically I was uh, a maestro here at the wheel, adjusting <laughs> speed, speed, distance, and wiper speed. And it was a lot less strain in such a, a rainstorm there. And uh, so we were able to get through Hurricane Henri in the Subaru wilderness. So we'll uh, we'll give it the top rating that we could give it for that. All right. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. And, oh, the, we, we didn't go over the prices of the vehicles. The, uh, the Forester Limited uh, comes out with delivery and destination and options of NAV system of 34000 after a base price of 31400 And that included the, uh, the NAV system option of uh, $1,600. The Outback Wilderness... It comes in at thirty-eight thousand, including destination and delivery. But it didn't have the nav system. So if you wanted the nav system, it'd probably run you fifteen hundred dollars more. Mm. All right. So those are our rides of the week. The rides of the week. Okay. Subaru Spectacular. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have anything else uh, automotive for us? Yeah, we've got a couple of interesting things here. Okay. And the latest from iccars.com. Now, we, we've been talking about the price of cars. New cars and used cars are going up mainly because of the chip shortage. New vehicles have a shortage. And so used vehicles are in demand. Well, this has resulted in a rather unusual situation. Okay, if you bought a car on a lease, when you sign the lease, they give you an option to buy the car for what they call residual value. And it turns out some of the cars coming off of leases, the residual value from three years ago is a lot less than the used car value that you could sell that car for. In other words, folks at iccars.com looked at the difference of what you could do by Buying a car coming off a three-year lease, if you're leasing a car, you buy it for the residual value. But then, because the used car prices have jumped, you can sell it and make a pretty good profit. Hmm. Okay? And so, like, the, the highest one here is the uh, Volkswagen Tiguan, because it three years ago it was revised. And so, right now, the market value of a three-year used Tiguan is $8,600 more than the predicted value, the residual value. So if you had a Tiguan and sold and bought it off the lease, you could sell it and make $8,000 or $8,600. And that sounds like a pretty good deal. That sounds like a good deal. Yeah, some of the other ones, too, even the Nissan Leaf, the Nissan Leaf, which was revised back then, mm -hmm. you can buy it off a lease and sell it for $6,000 more than you paid for it. Mm. So, so interesting dynamics here in automotive sales. But then again, you can sell the car, but you're going to need a car to go somewhere unless you have <laughs> another car that 
you know, maybe you're downsizing going from uh, two cars to one, you're still going to need a car. So right. this, is, this is all theoretical, but it's all very interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the latest from iccars.com. All right. Uh, do you have a Musk Minute for us by any chance? Oh, yeah, I got a Musk Minute, but let's finish up with automotive. Oh, okay, okay? Sure. sure. Okay, and this comes from uh, Germany, the Karlsruhe Institute of Technology and the Helmholtz Institute have come up with a lithium-ion battery technology using a lithium-enriched cathode plus a new type of electrolyte that links the anode and the cathode, which they won't say what it is exactly. But basically what they say is this gives a lithium battery with an energy density of 560 watt hours per kilogram. Now that might not mean anything to to you or our listeners, but the current lithium ion batteries have energy densities of 250 to 300 watt hours per kilogram. So this is roughly double the energy density of current batteries. So that looks to be with double the energy density say you can get roughly twice the range out of uh out of the vehicle with the with the same size battery mm, wow and also they say the charging the number of life cycles of charging is the same as current batteries mm-hmm. but, but then again it gets into okay we may need more lithium now and that's going to become you know a uh, rare earth uh, not a rare earth mineral but a a mineral that'll probably jump in price with demand. Mm, so right. it, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Oh. Now for the Musk Minute. Ah, uh, the Musk Minute. <laughs> yeah, we'll finish up with a Musk Minute, a, a minute Musk Minute. <laughs> but uh, Jeff Bezos is suing NASA for picking Elon Musk's SpaceX for the human landing system and not picking two competitors to get there. And uh, I think we've, we've talked about this a while ago, the system proposed by SpaceX for their Starship landing on the moon. Uh, we had an independent analysis from my ex-NASA source saying that to get a Starship to the moon with a super heavy booster that spacex wants to use would take anywhere from 12 to 15 flights just to refuel the starship in orbit and send it to the moon Hmm. get it back and now in jeff bezos lawsuit against nasa for picking just one one source he has a graphic there that essentially says the same thing his his calculations using uh, NASA release data say it'll take 16 Starship and Super Heavy launches to get one of these things to the moon. So uh, interesting things. Is, and they, they're saying that uh, immense complexity and heightened risk. So we'll see how the, the Bezos lawsuit and Blue Origin lawsuit against NASA works out. but. Part of the, the situation now is that 
they have to cut back the effort on developing the moon lander until the lawsuit is resolved. Oh, I see. Yeah, but I, I think uh, I think it's good having the competition. It seems like an awfully inefficient uh, way to get to the moon. Right, and the uh, well, that that's what I think we alluded to before. The right, the uh, Blue Origin-based team, their their lunar lander. It it looks kind of more like what we've done in the past in terms of uh, the modules in the system, but we know that works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always it's always good to have a little competition if, if, if something doesn't pan out. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So is, is that a wrap for today? That's a wrap. Glad we could get together again and enjoy your uh, the, the, the remnants or the remains of your vacation. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, be seeing you on the radio. And that was Cousin Rick calling in from Needham, Massachusetts with Rick's Tech Talk, a regular feature of the Utopian Dream.